いらっしゃいませ。That means welcome in Japanese. Welcome to Little Tokyo. Truth be told, the word doesn't really mean welcome the way we use it in English. It means that we see you and you're welcome to come in. So now you know what it means. My name is Brian Kito, and I am the owner of Fugetsuto Confectionery, which has been in my family for three generations. Today, I'm going to explain to you how Fugetsuto and Little Tokyo have survived over 100 years. My grandfather, Seiichi, and my grandmother, Tei Kito, are amongst the 3,000 Japanese that immigrated to Little Tokyo in the early 1900s. In the early days, this community helped each other. But things got tough during World War II. As a result of Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, which ordered all people of Japanese descent, whether American or Japanese, to be incarcerated in camps throughout the United States. They were given only a week to two weeks to pack up their stuff. Okay, right now you should be standing with your backs to the bright green bus bench. Look down at the sidewalk and see the two trunks embedded in the concrete. The sidewalk in the historic district of Little Tokyo was actually an art piece. The two suitcases symbolize the immigration of the Japanese American to Los Angeles. The suitcases also symbolize the two suitcase limit of what the Japanese could take per person when they were evacuated in 1941. My grandfather and father were amongst those that conformed to the two suitcase limit while being evacuated to camp. But I'll tell you a little bit more about that later, and I'll tell you how this community bounced back and thrives today. Face the street and let's walk to the left. When you get to the corner, turn left and continue walking. My grandfather started Fugetsuto Confectionery in 1903. And established it as a very robust business. In fact, he welcomed competition since he could not keep up with the demand of the traditional pastries we call mochi. I am the third generation owner of this business, and not much has changed over the years. When you walk into our store, you walk into a time capsule. We've considered remodeling the store over the years, and yet I constantly get people to come in from generations past, and they still remember the showcase. It's one of those special things that I guess it's hard to take away from those generations that remember it. Okay, let's stop at the store with a green awning. That's my store. Forget stuff. Before you walk into my store, it might be a good idea to take one earbud out. So you can hear my employees welcome you into our store. If anyone asks, just tell them that you're with Detour. You ready? Let's go in. Walk over to the display cases and take a look. Go to the first showcase on your left, and you'll see prepackaged rice cakes, rice crackers, some sweets from Japan. On the second showcase, you'll find most of the stuff that we actually produce here in our factory. This is still mom and pop shop, and everything is made by hand. Most of the pastries in the second showcase are covered with a outer shell called mochi, made with sweet rice flour mixed with sugar, mixed with water, and then it's steamed. And after they are steamed, we knead them with a mixing stick to make the consistency smooth. And then, while it's still hot, we will make smaller pieces of mochi and insert the bean paste. 
In 2003, we celebrated our centennial and we created a new mochi called peanut butter mochi. Our peanut butter mochi is pink and it's located at the top of our showcase in a small styrofoam tray. It's strawberry flavored on the outside with a little dash of peanut butter in the middle. And it's quite easy to adapt to because it resembles something similar to a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So non-Japanese can kind of get a clue of what they expect. Okay, while facing the mochi display case, turn around and look to the right. You'll see a historic soda fountain. When I was a teenager, I was a soda jerk there, making shave ice and uh, soda water. But above there, there's a shelf with a number of family photos, and you'll see a picture of my grandfather standing there. It was probably taken in about 1907. And also, of course, a picture of my grandfather and my grandmother with a baby in her lap. And that baby in the photo is actually my father, Roy. It always feels like spiritual, that there's a good energy of spirits that are watching over us. Before we go, pause me if you'd like to grab some mochi. And if not, give my staff a wave and I'll meet you outside. Okay, are you with me? With Fuget still behind you, turn left and continue walking. Little Tokyo is a very special place for me and my family. And if you look at the history of our store, my dad is the youngest of 12 kids. I'm the youngest of four. So historically, nobody wants to take over the store and until it gets to the last where they don't really have a choice, but they have to give it a shot, otherwise it's over. My son is the only child. So to make sure that it's not something that he's stuck with versus something that he wants to do is very important to me. Since he was seven, if you ask him what you're gonna do when you grow up, he say, I'm gonna take over my dad's store. There's never been a doubt in his mind Okay, go ahead and stop here in front of Suhiro Restaurant. Please look down at the quote by Ellen Endo. This is part of the same art installation as the suitcases. And the quote talks about the Rafu Shinpo newspaper, which was started in 1903, and how Ellen's father would look through the obituary through the newspaper. Of course, the Japanese culture is very strict about showing respect, especially to elders and to the deceased. You would read the newspaper to make sure that you wouldn't miss a funeral. In the Japanese culture, that's a given. Let's continue walking the way you are going. Coming up on your left, you should see an old neon chop suey sign. It used to be the old Far East Cafe which was there probably a good 50 years. Now it's called Far Bar. When Japanese Americans came back from camp, this was the only restaurant that actually served rice. It played a very important role in the Japanese Americans coming back to Little Tokyo. Okay, keep walking. Back to 1941, with the evacuation order in effect, both my father and my grandfather were relocated to Heart Mountain, Wyoming. And because my grandfather was a mochi master, quickly the people that lived in the camp were well aware of him. So during camp days, there was sugar rationing. 
And some of the families would give up sugar for my grandfather to make Japanese mochi. And of course, those people were the first to get the pastries. It must have been a horrible feeling to be relocated. But the one good thing that came out of this is my dad met my mom. They were actually married in 1944, a year before camp let out. Stop here at the corner of First and Central Avenue. Go left into the open plaza area and look to your left near the brick building. As you go around the corner, you'll see a extremely large replica of a makeshift camera. Walk over to it. When the Japanese were evacuated, a photographer, Toyomi Atake, actually smuggled a camera lens in his luggage on the way to Manzanar Relocation Camp near Long Pine, California. He's one of the few, if not only, photographer that documented the stay in Manzanar during the World War II. Since he only smuggled the lens in, he had to construct a camera housing out of wood. And the replica you see is a exact replica of the camera that he built. Toyomi Itake actually had them take these photos in secrecy. And as time went on, even the guards and all those that were in charge of security realized that the Japanese were not a threat. They became a little bit more laxed and Toyomi Itake was able to openly record life in camp. And that was a good thing. His claim to fame truly has to do with the 1,500 pictures that he took in Manzanar during the war. Look down now at your phone to see two of Toyomi Itake's photos. When the Miyatakis came back to Little Tokyo from camp at Manzanar, they restarted a studio here on First Street, right across the street from Fugetsu. We're a very small minority here in Little Tokyo, or any Japanese Americans that would take on the family business for three generations. So Toyo Miyatake passed away in 1979, and if you want to see much of his work, you'll find a lot of it in the Japanese American National Museum, which is right behind you. Okay, now look back toward the doorway of the brick building. Notice the large archway that looks like it could be an entrance to a temple? Well, that's because this building was a temple. This is the facade of the Nishi Honganji Temple. It was built in 1920 and it operated here over 50 years. In the early 70s, it was rebuilt on First and Vignes, about two blocks east of here. All right, turn left and head for the crosswalk. When you see the walk sign, cross the street and I'll meet you there. Okay. You should be on the other side of First Street. Keep walking the same direction. Keep your eyes open for a colorful mural up on the building to your right. Stop when you get there. In 2005, Little Tokyo residents created this mural, which depicts over 100 years of Little Tokyo history. You should be standing under the mural by now. Orient yourself in the middle of the mural and at the edge of the sidewalk. Be careful of the buses. I make mochi, not art pieces, so I have three muralists here to explain the mural to you. Hi, my name is Tony Osumi, and I'm here with my fellow artist, Jorge Diaz. Hello. And Sergio Diaz. Hello. To do a mural in Little Tokyo was one of my dreams. You know, I've done some murals in Koreatown over in West LA. But to do one in J-Town, kind of the heart of the Japanese-American community in Southern California, was something I've been thinking about for years. We wanted the mural to be kind of a practice in democracy, so one of the things we did was set up several meetings 
with residents and business owners. And through the community meetings, we got all kinds of different feedback. And some of it was from immigrants from Japan, and they were in their 70s. One of the ladies said, Tony, you have to have Mount Fuji. And I was like, oh, okay. And she goes, I'm trusting you that you'll have it, okay? I said, okay. And then later, when we had another meeting with some Sansei, some third-generation Japanese Americans, they were like, what's that Mount Fuji doing in there? That's from Japan. That's not America. I was like, uh, it's going in because I'm not going to face these old ladies and, and not give them what they want. If you want to find Mount Fuji on the mural, it's in the top left-hand corner, and it's the mauve mountain with the white snow cap. When we decided to bring the panels out into the street, we started by having the community to come out and start painting the panels, which we would get basketball teams, Boy Scout, Girl Scouts. We'd also get store owners and even people just walking by Little Tokyo that we would get to participate and paint. Over 500 people helped paint this mural. After the community came in, our job as you know, artists, was to sort of fill in the details and the shading and kind of make the whole mural come together. The Little Tokyo mural is a testament and a symbol of what the community can accomplish when they work together. Hope you enjoyed hearing about the Little Tokyo mural and some of our favorite parts. And here's Brian. There's one thing I want to point out before we go. Look to the left under the yellow convertible. Do you see a little girl with an oversized wood mallet? It's in reference to making mochi. And that's the mallet that's used to pound the rice into mochi. And with my son, my wife, and I, we will always be able to see this mural and know we are part of it. Let's continue walking Central Avenue the way you were going, and I will tell you more about my family's story. After the war, my family returned to Los Angeles even though the federal authorities wanted to discourage Japanese Americans from relocating to the West Coast. Little Tokyo still had its churches. They are the key to the reason why Little Tokyo was reborn after the war. Without the churches being here in Little Tokyo, there would have been no reason for them to relocate back here. And the churches are really the foundation for our community. Whether it be Buddhist church or Christian, it doesn't matter, just the churches themselves. And Koyasan Temple actually housed my mom and dad when they came out of camp because they had no money, they had no job. So they actually newlyweds slept in the church along with my grandfather for about the first six, nine months after they came out of camp. My family was not the only family that stayed at Koyasan Temple until they could get back on their feet. There were other families too. More on that in a minute. You should be approaching the FedEx location on the right corner. Make it right and keep on going. This stretch of 2nd Street has a mix of new and old businesses. Across the street, you'll see a bar called Wolf and Crane that specializes in Japanese whiskeys. The sign is a simple white neon image of a wolf and crane. Even though it's not Japanese-owned, the name is a tribute to the Japanese neighborhood. In Japanese folklore, the wolf is a symbol of guardianship, and the crane is a symbol of longevity and prosperity. I am excited for these new businesses to share the neighborhood and our culture. There's room here for everyone, and one thing I know for sure, Fugetsu isn't going anywhere. 
After coming out of camp, the first job that my father took on was being a waiter at Clifton's Cafeteria. And I believe he said he was making 12 cents an hour. Dad was able to save up enough money to at least move to an apartment. Then came a time that my grandfather was interested in trying to restart the business. So my father called upon some friends of his and he had saved some money from working and he put, I believe, something like $300 together in order to buy out the person who had taken over the store that they were in before the war broke out. After a lot of struggle and savings and hard work, Puget still reopened in 1946. Okay, coming up on your right is the entrance to the Japanese Village Plaza. This is what many people picture as a traditional Japantown. In the early 1900s, there were 43 Japantowns in California, and Little Tokyo was the largest. Now, this community is one of only three Japantowns left. Find the 25-foot-tall gray pillar that says Japanese Village Plaza and stop there. I'm going to introduce you to Ellen Endo. She is the woman whose quote we read earlier in the sidewalk. Thank you for visiting our neighborhood today. We're very happy you're here. I've been part of the Little Tokyo community for nearly 40 years. My parents owned a small hotel here, and growing up, these streets were my playground. For years, I worked as a reporter for the Rafushimpo newspaper, and then I was the editor. Today, I work for the Little Tokyo Business Association. I'm about to show you the local businesses I eat at, shop in, and help at work. Let's head into the plaza. With your back to the street, start walking. The Japanese Village Plaza opened in 1978. And over the years, I've seen it grow from a hub for the Japanese community to an area that attracts everyone. When you get to the two ficus trees and a rock sculpture, stop there. This is an interesting crossroads between the new and the old. If you look to your right, you'll see a more traditional area. Many Japanese lanterns are strung overhead and lit at night. Just out of sight are Japanese goods and souvenir stores and traditional sushi, shabu-shabu, and uh, ramen restaurants. Then to your left, if you peek through the trees, you'll see the lanterns abruptly stop, and in the distance, the neon starts. This contemporary area is all anime, all the time. Stores with J-pop, kawaii clothes, DVDs, comic books, costumes, masks, wigs, you name it, it's all there. I remember 10 years ago, there was one anime store and now there are five. As you can imagine, that area is packed on weekends and after school with young people. Feel free to pause me and check out the old, the new, or both sides of the plaza. When you're done, Meet me back here, hit play, and we will continue. Okay, start walking under the lanterns through the traditional part of the plaza. Up ahead, you should see a small stage area. Follow the path to the left of the stage and keep walking. Take a look up at the roofs. Those tiles are imported from Japan. They were the brainchild of the original architect who wanted to bring a bit of Japan to Los Angeles. And he called it My Blue Heaven. He was so proud of them. Continue walking in the direction you were going. 
You should see the 55-foot-tall Yagara, which means Fire Lookout Tower. It was built in 1978 to remind many of their hometowns in Japan. This tower was constructed just like they were in Japan, made out of wood. Unfortunately, when this tower was about 30 years old, it became infested with termites. But in 2009, the tower was rebuilt entirely of metal, a material that termites will have absolutely no interest in eating. I hope you've enjoyed the Japanese Village Plaza. Now here's Brian. All right. Head left toward Mr. Pizza and keep walking. We are approaching our last stop and it is very special to me. You won't see it from the street. It sits at the end of this alleyway. I am going to show you the Koyasan Temple where my parents slept that I mentioned earlier. It took three years to build and was completed in 1941, just before World War II, before the evacuation. You should be at the entrance of the alley. Go left down the alleyway. The temple may look closed, but don't worry, you're with me. And the monks are expecting you, or at least they will be when you ring the bell. The temple is usually open for visitors between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. If the gates are open, walk to the main temple facade and stop there. You should see a sign that says, you're on camera. If the gates are closed, you can stand here and listen to the rest of my story. If you're with me, in front of the temple, you should see some stairs to the right. Walk toward them. As you go up the stairs, look to the double doors to the right, and if there is no signs posted that the temple is closed, walk to the doors and ring the doorbell that's on the left side. Go ahead, it's okay. The monks will know you by your headphones that you're with Detour. They will show you into the shrine area where Reverend Hayashi will tell you more about this special place. Pause me until you're inside, then press play. Welcome to Koyasan Beikoku Betsuin of Los Angeles. Please do not take any picture in this temple. Thank you. My name is Ryuzen Hayashi. It has been four years since I have arrived in America to propagate esoteric Shingon Buddhism. Please walk to the central aisle of the temple and turn to face the stage. This is an area we call Onaijin, the sanctum of the temple. It is a special area, only priests can enter this area. This sanctum reflects what the Shingon denomination believes to be the world where the Buddha dwells. Our main Buddha, the Dainichi Nyorai, is in the center. And to the right is a statue of our founding father of Shingon Buddhism, Kobo Daishi Kukai. Our goal is to practice the three mysteries that consist of body, mouth, and mind, and to become a Buddha in this life. As for the body, mouth, and mind in Buddhism, it is putting your hands together, chanting mantras or sutras, and placating the mind. We have services in front of the dignified sanctum. By hitting the taiko drums, ringing the bell, lighting the stick incense, and chanting sutras. By practicing through your sensations, auditory senses, and the like, it will directly influence your mind. 
This temple is a place where everybody can practice Mikkyo esoteric Buddhism. Directly in front of the stage, there is a low table. On top of the table is a bell, stick incense, and an incense burner, where you can offer the stick incense. We welcome you to try this. Light the stick incense first, put in the burner, and then ring the bell. Then put the palms of your hand together. This is called Gasho and pray. This temple sells omamori, which includes amulets, talisman, and the fortunes. Right now, omamori table is by the doors you came in. If you don't see the tables there now and would like to purchase a fortune, please see the person in charge. Thank you for visiting the Koyasan Beikoku Betsin of Los Angeles today. Please take your time in the temple. When you're ready to leave, exit out from same doors, and Brian will meet you at the bottom of the stairs. Enjoy your journey with Gasho. Are you with me at the bottom of the stairs? I come here with my family every New Year's Day, and we tie our fortunes onto the wire where there's thousands of them here that day. So if you got a fortune inside, there's no real rules here, so you can do whatever you like. Some people take that home, and some people will actually tie it on this wire rack, and the monks will come later to bless it. If you're going to leave your fortune, fold the paper lengthwise and tie it onto the wire like you see the other ones. Pause me if you need time. If not, let's start walking back to the street and I'll finish my story as we go. Little Tokyo's has gone through the Great Depression. It's gone through the evacuation during World War II, and yet it's still here. My hopes for the future of Little Tokyo and Fugetsu is that they become stronger and continue to exist here in downtown LA, and hopefully for future generations to enjoy Little Tokyo as a cultural icon. Thank you for joining us here in Little Tokyo today. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I hope all your fortunes come true.